It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com at FFFSOSS Twitter. Twitter.tv slash AJ Nick3. Super wild card weekend is here. The NFL playoffs kick off on Saturday afternoon all through the weekend to Monday night with the uh, Bucks hosting the Eagles. So we will look at the storylines and the Chaos Super Wild Card Weekend storylines, and we will have our full preview with all six games. We'll go into the numbers, into the matchups, and we'll give you predictions on all of them. Um, the news that kind of broke just before I like was about to start recording that Nick Saban is retired. Uh, so we'll touch on that, and uh, that'll be our college football portion of the show, which I didn't think we would have, but we do now. Uh, we get soccer preview, college basketball. And more on the program. So, Super Wild Card Weekend storylines we will do in the kickoff. Super Wild Card Weekend preview, game-by-game breakdowns and predictions. Nick Saban has called it a career. Saban has stepped away from the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, we'll touch on that and uh, break down all his accolades. Weekend soccer preview and then some college basketball. All right. Kick it off. Super Wild Card Weekend storylines. 11 teams have played on Wild Card Weekend and won the Super Bowl, four of which have been division winners. So you go to the list, first team to do it, 1980, the All right, and then it was a long wait until the 1997 Denver Broncos, and then another three years for the Ravens to be the Wild Card um, Super Bowl champ. So we had 80 Raiders, 97 Broncos, 2,000 Ravens, and then it – Went in two sets of threes. 05 Steelers, 06 Colts, 07 Giants. Played on Wild Card Weekend. Then you had some time go by. It was the 2010 Packers, the 11 Giants, and the 2012 Ravens who played on Wild Card Weekend and then went on to win the Super Bowl. Then you had the expansion from 12 teams to 14. The 2020 Bucks with Brady, who annihilated the Chiefs. And then you had the Rams. Following season, beat the Bengals in 2021. So we've had, in this expansion, we've had teams play on Wild Card Weekend win it. We've also had um, both one seeds being it last season in the Chiefs beating the Eagles, right? So um, there is precedent for teams making the run from Wild Card Weekend. You could argue, since this format has changed, the it's just a few years, obviously, but more times than not, it's been a team that's played on Wild Card Weekend that has gone on to win the Super Bowl. So, um, those are the numbers there. 11 teams, four of which have won the division, but 11 teams went on to win the Super Bowl after playing on Wild Card Weekend. The latest was the 2021 LA Rams. So, let's go into the game storylines here with Cleveland and Houston up first on Saturday. And it's old first young at QB, Flacco. The grizzled vet who you thought was done last year with the Jets. Cleveland picks him up midway through the season with all the injuries and turbulence they've had at the quarterback position. And even though he's had a ton of turnovers, he's provided a great... um, He's done a great job of leading in that position and and being a really, really good quarterback for that Cleveland Browns team. Like, uh, throwing touchdown passes on Mark Cooper. They're winning games. So that's the old part of it for Cleveland and the young part of it in Stroud. I mean, Stroud... 
when he's been healthy, he's been amazing. Um, I didn't think he would be this good this soon. I thought he had the skill set and the act and the possibility, but I just didn't think it would happen so soon for Houston on so many levels between uh, Ryan's hitting as the first year head coach and Stroud, and then that defense playing pretty well as well, and it working out with not a lot of you know known guys at a ton of positions, right? So, but that one, like a lot of these games, comes down to this quarterback storyline. Yes, Houston. Division winner, shouldn't have been here, all that stuff. Credit to them, outstanding stuff. Cleveland, um, a team that was so I don't know, inconsistent. Is, is They were just bad offensively in so many games, and here they are with double-digit wins in the postseason, right? Um, so you have Flacco taking over the Browns. You have Stroud emerging immediately as this franchise quarterback and playing so, so well for that Houston Texan team. So that's in the first game. Old first young quarterback has to be the storyline. You know, obviously there's supplemental storylines with the Browns going on the road and possibly getting a postseason win. You got Houston at home, won the division. They get the Saturday afternoon game that they're so used to, right, in this slot. Uh, so we see that again Saturday afternoon. All right, Saturday night, Miami, Kansas City. Miami is not good in cold weather. What are they, 0-9 uh, straight up in, in, in cold weather games? That's bad. That's bad. Um, and if you get snow in Kansas City with that wind, with that chill, oh, that is going to be a brutal game to play in. And, yes, the Dolphins' run game is very, very important with Mostert and Ancient, of course. But they do get a lot of chunk plays as well with the passing game, as you know, with Hill and Waddle. So throwing the ball becomes very difficult. And if Miami can run the ball, they can stay in that game. Same thing with the Chiefs. Throwing the ball becomes very difficult in those conditions, even when you do have Mahomes. Same thing with Tua. Even when you have these great quarterbacks, it's still difficult in these conditions. So you got to rely on the run game a little bit. So if we get some snow... Um, if we get the weather, that'll just be a Saturday night. Like, And, you know, it's bad that it's on Peacock. I, You know I'm not the biggest fan of these streaming. I talked about it on uh, Tuesday's show. Like, I don't – this is not a good look. This is not a good precedent. Like, because you know Prime's going to get a playoff game now too. Like, you know what's, like, setting up to happen. So, um, with this Peacock precedent being set on Saturday night. So, they get a snow game. Hopefully they get Mahomes and Tua in a, in a good game. And they played uh, in Germany earlier in the year, if you remember. So that is the story. Saturday night, can Miami right the ship after they had it going and couldn't close out the division? And Kansas City, hey, listen, you're not going to be home all postseason, so you got to win the games right now that you're home in before you go on the road, possibly, right? Um so that'll be a very, very interesting game Saturday night. Triple header on Sunday. Bills, Steelers, it's going to be tough conditions in Buffalo. Probably snow here as well. Bills have caught fire a little bit. Steelers have won some games recently as well, and Rudolph's been the hot hand. Now with the Bills, since going to Joe Brady as the OC, um, more Cook, more Allen runs. Um, are they getting it consistently to digs enough? I, I bet you they'd say no but they're trying to do their best. 
And this is either a really, really big upset for the Steelers who I think I – did I have them in the postseason? I think I did. But I don't think a lot of people did have them in the postseason. Um, now that I think about it, I don't think I did either. But I told you they would contend and be in games. Um, it would still be a really good upset for them to pull off in Tomlin after so many people are knocking Tomlin and saying – fire him oh my god so Steelers could pull a big upset Bills can keep the hot streak going and say hey nobody wants to play us that's what the Bills are trying to you know continue that mantra of because teams are trying to close them out down the stretch of the season and they just didn't do it so you got that at one o'clock on Sunday the middle game Cowboys-Packers always delivers, especially in the postseason. So many great games. Um, and I think it's going to be another great one. I understand the Packers, a lot of people didn't think they would be here right now, including myself. I thought maybe a year off, and then they're back next year. Uh, I did give the division to Detroit, which they did end up winning, so I was right about that. Um, but the Packers, I think, are just a, a little too soon because love is good for sure I'm a little worried about that receiving core going up against a veteran uh, secondary and love going up against a really good defense it's going to be a great game to watch now the other side of the ball if the Cowboys can do what they've been doing offensively which is really when they don't turn the ball over they score touchdowns or, or get points with Aubrey kicking field goals. So if they can end drives with kicks, either extra points, field goals, or punts instead of turnovers, like I think in turnovers on downs, they're in a really good spot to win that game. And even if Green Bay does give them a game, they haven't lost at home. And they do have the belief in themselves that they can, you know, turn around. They've had some comebacks in games late. So Cowboys-Packers always delivers. One of the all-time rivalries in this league, even though it's you know not the same division. They don't play each other every year. So, but this game, these colors, you know, like it's a it's a historic matchup when the star meets the G. You know, it just is. You know, it just means more. So, usually you'd like to see an NFC title game or even a division round. But here we go with a wild card uh, weekend matchup with Cowboys-Packers in the middle of your Sunday coverage, and then Sunday night. I mean, this is this is storylines. This is drama. This is theater for the neutral. I'm sure, like, you know, people are going to be, like, glued to their, their TV about this one because of the link between these quarterbacks, the link between these franchises on Sunday night when the Rams go out to Detroit. Matt Stafford brought Detroit to relevance. Even when they did not even have a great record, he would – make plays and get them get those fans excited with Calvin Johnson and they had opportunities and they did go to the postseason with with Stafford and then the Rams say we go to a Super Bowl with Goff and hey he just didn't do it and he didn't do enough in a Super Bowl we got to go get a different quarterback and they say hey we'll give you Goff and some picks we want Stafford and the, and the Lions are like sure we'll do it Stafford's not going to resign with us we'll get Goff and some players and Goff has turned out great you know I love Goff and I always did have a soft spot for Stafford because him, I thought he always had a raw deal in Detroit. Even though he had Calvin Johnson and he had a couple good offensive linemen as well. But I always felt like they didn't protect him. 
The defense was was never as good as it should have been. And they had an opportunity with that quarterback to win some football games, and they ended up not winning enough. So he goes to the Rams, wins the Super Bowl after Goff went to the Super Bowl with the Rams and then got traded to the Lions after losing it. And here it is. Goff and the Lions win the division. They welcome in Stafford and the Rams. And, you know, McVay, who is all class, who I love. I love McVay. I love Goff. That's kind of where that started. I, I did really like the, that uh, relationship. And and uh, if you watch that Hard Knocks, it was really, really interesting. He's been all class. Goff's been all class. That's kind of what they say about each other. But I'm sure there's, like, you know, a little bit about behind the scenes where, you know, McVay is like, hey, we traded you for Stafford. We got the Super Bowl. I was right. And Goff. At the end of the day, it's like, sure, you're right, but I'm still a franchise quarterback for this Lions team. Like, it's not like they just threw me out, you know. So, depends on what your uh, perspective is there. But I think it's going to be so exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to that game Sunday night. Obviously, my Cowboys play in the middle, but I'm looking forward to all these games. But I hope we get a good offensive showing from both quarterbacks. You know, because I really hope it's like not a dud of a game and then not one quarterback goes crazy and the other one doesn't play well because that, that'll that'll really suck for the other one. I hope both quarterbacks play well and it comes down to something else where some guy makes a play on defense and somebody doesn't, right, kind of a thing. Um, so uh, Rams-Lions on Sunday night, that's going to be really, really, really interesting to watch, intriguing to watch. And then you got Monday night, Eagles going out to Tampa. Tampa won their division. They host the playoff game. Eagles were 10-1, and absolutely bottled it down the stretch of the season, couldn't find a way to, to have some winning football in some very meaningful games to try to close out that division. Instead, they go on the road. The Cowboys are the two-seed, and they are on the road in Tampa. And it is a certainly winnable game for the Eagles, and you would argue at full strength they're the, the favorites maybe by six to seven, you know, close to a touchdown. They're banged up. The Bucks team is inconsistent, but they are, a lot of those guys are still from that Super Bowl team, to be fair. A lot of those leaders, a lot of those still impact players. Now, I understand the quarterback isn't, and the running back isn't, and there's other players that aren't, but you do have a lot of the leadership core won that Super Bowl, so they can kind of harken on that and, and go off that. Now, Eagles are the more talented team, better team more recently more playoff tested team if you look at it right as the Bucks went out in the round one last year at home against the Cowboys so now the Eagles have to go on the road to Tampa and win and get into the next round so Bucks it's really interesting because here's Bacon a playoff game you know we got to give him a ton of credit so many people left him for like I don't want to say dead, but no career. You know, he's done. He's got to be a backup somewhere. He's he's never going to win a job again. Here he is in a playoff game, won a division, right? So that's a really interesting game as well because Tampa, at home, nothing to lose. You're not supposed to win this game. Big bad Eagles are in town. And the Eagles have to find a way to right the ship and play some good football if they're ever going to get back to the Super Bowl. And here you go. You got an opportunity, 60 minutes in front of you. Can you do it? So those are some of the storylines of Wild Card, Super Wild Card Weekend, sorry. And let's get into our preview, Cleveland-Houston. These teams just played week 16, no Stroud. Cleveland won 
36-22. Cooper went crazy. Ton of turnovers for both teams. Let's start with Cleveland halves of the ball. Flacco is on fire, but he will turn it over. He's turned it over in each of his starts for Cleveland, at least one interception, sometimes multiple. The running game, Ford has come in for Nick Chubb and done a really good job. And I know they got Kareem Hunt, but it's been the Ford show. They're going up against the number one rushing defense in yards per carry in the Houston Texans. So you look at the O-line, there are injuries at both tackles for this Browns team. And though Grenard and Anderson don't have a bunch of sacks, they both have, I'm pretty sure, double-digit sacks at the edge. Collins and Rankins in the middle uh, going up against that, I guess, healthy interior but exterior line that the two tackles uh, Anderson and Greenard are going up against backups. So watch for those matchups when Cleveland has the ball. And then with Amari Cooper, Moore's in the slot, and Joku's been excellent since Flacco's come in. Nelson and Stingley have done a nice job for the Houston Texans, specifically Stingley. I think Stingley's come into this league and played some really, really good football. Um, and it's tough for young corners to come in because they do have a lot of pressure, especially when they go early in the draft. If you ever get like a completion put on you, somebody's like, oh, you shouldn't have went in the first round. Like, Dude, come on. So, the matchups, can Cleveland block at the edge? Can Cleveland run the ball against a really good Houston rushing defense? And then, if Flacco does have time, can he hit Cooper against a pretty good Houston young secondary? Now, Houston have the ball. Stroud's been amazing. I mean, Stroud, when he's been healthy... He's turned that whole thing around. Him, D'Amico Ryans, a lot of other players for sure, but we know it's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback league at the end of the day. So Stroud, when he's on time, when he's in rhythm, he's making big plays, he's taking the checkdowns when he has to, he's not really forcing the big ball. He's done a great job of not throwing a ton of picks, to be fair. So when Houston has the ball, Stroud is the guy. And uh, running game, Singletary, when he gets it going, the offense also gets it going. They do like a little play action. The first play of the game last week is a play action on the deep touchdown to Collins. So if they get the running game going, they can get the play action game going, then you have to stay at home if you're the backers um, against the Singletary, and then that's when they hit you over the top with Collins or, or Schultz because he loves Schultz. Now the offensive line it's given up a lot of sacks against the Cleveland front that features one of the best defensive players in the league in Miles Garrett. That is going to be tough. Um, I wonder how they're going to be able to block Garrett. Now you look at when they're trying to get the ball out on the edge to Collins and Schultz. It's an elite secondary for Cleveland. Give them credit. Everson, Ward, they're not great against the tight end, so um, Schultz could have a lot of targets here, and I'm wondering who's going to cover him, right? Will they bring a safety in? Will it be a linebacker? Schultz is so good. Um, he causes matchup nightmares for sure. So that's the story when the Houston offense has the ball. Let's go into the numbers. Third down. This is really interesting because both defenses on third down are really good, and both offenses are in especially Cleveland offense is really bad. Cleveland is 29th on offense on third down, 32%. Houston is fifth ranked in the league, giving up only 36% of third down uh, conversions. Fourth down, Cleveland is better on fourth down, 56%, 11th in the league, and Houston is not good at stopping it. So they are 24th in the league on fourth down. Houston offense, 19th for 38%. Cleveland's number one. 
on defense and third down, 29% given up. They are also number one on fourth down. So number one on third down, number one on fourth down. And the Houston offense on fourth down is 30th in the league, only converting 38%. So they turn it over on downs a lot when they get into that situation. Red zone, Cleveland offensively, 15th in the league, 56% percentage touchdown. Houston, 12th in the league, gives up 52% of the time a touchdown on red zone possession. Now the Houston offense, 16th, around 55% for a touchdown as well. And then Cleveland is 32nd in the league on defense red zone. 71% of the time they've given up a touchdown when they've given up a red zone possession. So look for that Houston to get some touchdowns and not try to get field goals. Turnover-wise, Cleveland is minus 9 turnover margin, 25th in the league, 33 giveaways, 27 takeaways. They've had so many interceptions with so many quarterbacks playing. And Houston is 8th in turnover margin, plus 10. 14 giveaways, 24 takeaways for the defense. You look at the special teams. Hopkins and Boraquez, the kicker-punter combo for Cleveland. Solid if Hopkins is healthy. When he's been healthy, he's making kicks. When he's hurt, he's not making kicks. And Houston, same kind of thing with Fairbairn. When Fairbairn is healthy, he's a solid kicker. He's got a good leg. Uh, Johnston is the punter for Houston. This game, uh, I was leaning towards Cleveland, and I was like, what is Houston's record in this Saturday slot? I wanted to look, and it's not bad. They find ways to win these games when they're in this Saturday slot. So I'm going to go with the little Houston magic here. They find a way to win a game uh, 27-21. So there you go. Saturday night, Miami, Kansas City. We're going to get some snow at Arrowhead. Some weather conditions in the Midwest. Kansas City's lost four games at Arrowhead this season. These two teams matched up in Week 9 in Germany. Kansas City won it 21-14. to Kansas City defense was good that game for sure. All right, let's speak of that Kansas City defense. When Miami has the ball, it's Tua under center and in the gun, as we know. Had a very good season when he's been healthy, when he's been upright. He's an excellent kind of point guard at the position. The two-headed monster at back, Moser and Achan, when they're healthy in the run game. There's not a lot of defenses that can slow those two guys down, whether that's even on a sprint right option or a counter play or a toss. Like They are so fast and so quick around the edge, and they get to the second level and the third level before you can even like figure out it's a run or pass yet. Like It's crazy they're on you. So Gay and Bolton, the Casey backers, are going to have to have big games. Offensive line has done a good job in wins for the Dolphins, but they've kind of been part of the storyline in losses. When they lose, they give up a lot of sacks, and when they win, they do a really good job protecting Tua. So they're going up against Chris Jones and a KC pass rush that get sacks. Dana and Nadi, Kaloftis, so many. Um, I mean, these are guys that get sacks and make plays. This Kansas City defense is the best defense they've had in a while. That is for sure. Now, who are the options to is throwing to? We know that. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, uh, Wilson, Barrios, Smythe, the tight end. And it's a very, very good secondary in Kansas City, led by Sneed, Watson, McDuffie, the corners, and Edwards, and Watson, the safeties. How about when Kansas City has the ball? Mahomes, arguably the worst year of his career. Certainly statistically, you can make that claim when you look at it. And... um. I don't think it's necessarily all his fault when you look at all the drops <laughs> and all the drops that have turned into interceptions, you know? Um, the run game, Pacheco, McKinnon, and remember, folks, I always make this point in big games in, uh, for Kansas City, especially in the postseason. Mahomes' ability to scramble. Is he looking to run all the time? No. But 
if he needs to in a big spot or even early in the game to continue a drive, whatever, he has no problem taking off and making a play and, and being able to extend drives and move the sticks and um, even score on some scrambles. So we talk about Pacheco, we talk about McKinnon, especially McKinnon in the passing game. You got to mention Mahomes in the running game as well. So um, you got Long, Riley, Baker, the Dolphin backers, the O-line, Good season from this group for Kansas City. It really hasn't been their issue, but um, they're going up against a really talented front in the Dolphins without even uh, Phillips and Chubb, which is unfortunate. You got Wilkins, Sealer, Raekwon Davis. Ingram has kind of emerged as the old vet in that uh, edge-rushing position after Phillips and Chubb have gone out. And then what do you do with Travis Kelsey? Do you put Ramsey on him? Is Howard going to be good to go? Do you, do you send him on? Because I, I really think with the Kansas City offense, Rice has had a really good uh, second half. But I don't know if I trust any other Kansas City receiver in a big spot. I just don't, I just don't think I do if I'm a home. So he's going to be going to Rice, the young guy. He's going to be going to Kelsey. He's going to be dumping it off to Pacheco and McKinnon. He's going to be running the ball. And maybe he does sprinkle a pass here and there to one of these other guys, but Ramsey, Howard, Holland, are they just on Kelsey Rice and then one of them gets the back? And they say, all right, we're just going to play man across, and, and if they make plays, they make plays, but we, we're going to put our best guys on their best guys regardless of position. Is that kind of what they're going to do? I wonder what that Miami, if they go man with Vic Fangio calling these plays and blitzing and, and trying to account for losing Chubbs and Phillip. Uh, Chubb and Phillips, sorry. Um, I wonder how he's going to call that game. So dive a little more into the numbers. Third down, Miami, seventh-ranked offense on third down, 42% versus the Kansas City defense, 10th on uh, third down across the league, 37% converted against, 28 in the league on fourth down, seventh in the league on fourth down for Kansas City. Kansas City offense, sixth in the league on third down, and only 50% on fourth down. Miami defense ranked 20th in third down, 39% converted against, 10th on fourth. Red zone, Miami excellent in the red zone, number two touchdown percentage, 66% against the Kansas City team in the red zone that only gives up 50% of a touchdown rate, number eight overall in the league. Other side of the ball, Kansas City 17th offensively, 54% touchdown against Miami, 65% touchdown uh, surrendered. Turnover margin, Miami, 14th in the league, plus two. 25 giveaways, 27 takeaways. Kansas City, 28th in the league, minus 11. 28 giveaways, 17 takeaways. They've not been able to turn teams over, and they've given the ball away a ton. Special teams, Miami's got a good kicker in Sanders. When he's making him, he's making him. Bailey just had a bad punt that turned the game around where he outkicked the coverage, uh, and then the kid ran it back. Kansas City, Bucker's been so solid. Townsend's been a, a great punter in so many games. For this Kansas City team in this run, I, I really, if the weather was a little better, I'd be leaning Dolphins because this is not a good Kansas City team, and you could see them losing possibly in this postseason before they get to a Super Bowl. Even though their defense is really, really good and the best it's been, offensively they're just not doing enough, and if you can 
manage Kelsey's, you know, completions where and in, in yards after catch where if he throws it to him over the middle and you make the tackle right away, it's six and not twenty seven, you know, where he makes two guys miss and he somebody drags him down from behind and they get into the red zone. You know, those are different kind of plays, those chunk plays with Kelsey. So if you can limit those if you can have good coverage and make those guys drop passes, and if you ever pick one off, right, it's doable to go beat them. They've lost four games there, and most of them have been to teams over 500 at Arrowhead this season. They've lost games there. They used to never lose games there. Never. So Miami can win this game. They got to play a perfect game. I don't think Miami can go to Kansas City with a B game and win. Unless Kansas City absolutely, absolutely throws a stinker out there. Where they can't run it. They can't throw it defensively. They're getting beat for chunk plays. And Hill goes crazy against his former team. You know, all that kind of... Like, it's... It's there for Miami to win it. They got to go win it, though. If they don't go win it, Kansas City wins it by default kind of a thing. They're at home. They have the pedigree. They have the better defense, the healthier defense. Even though if Miami was healthier, I'd say, ooh, interesting. But I'll lean Kansas City. And I don't think it's going to be high scoring because of the conditions. But I think it would be a little more high scoring than the game in Germany because I think it was just a weird kind of game. But not much high scoring. I'm going to go... It's 21-14 that game. I'm going to go 24-21 Chiefs. 24-20 Chiefs. 24-20. All right. Sunday's games. Pittsburgh-Buffalo. Probably another snow game here. T.J. Watt ruled out. I think that's going to be a gigantic factor for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. He's their best player. When he's on the field, it's different. Um, he's the guy that can make the game-changing plays. He's the guy that has all the sack fumbles and all that. Like, he's the guy, right? So, him being out, I think that really, really affects that Pittsburgh defense. Um, I think both teams are playing some good ball. It's taken Buffalo a while. I think the Steelers have had lulls of the season where, you know, they've, they've had some great wins late in games, and they've also, you know, had some really poor performances. So, um, but both teams are winning games coming into this matchup. So, Let's start with Pittsburgh offensively. Rudolph has been the hot hand for Mike Tomlin. Harris, Warren, the backs. Harris goes over 1,000 yards with a couple back-to-back 100-plus yards games uh, to end his season. Warren out of the backfield in the passing game. But even in the traditional running game, he's a tough guy to bring down with that low center of gravity. So Harris, we know, is a tough runner. He's going to try to get you those extra yards. And if they hold on to the football, they got a shot. Um, especially if they're able to screen it with Warren. Now, offensive line against a really good Bills defense. Rousseau, Oliver, Lawson, Jones, Ford, Espinosa, Miller, Dotson, Bernard. Um, it's a lot of guys that can play the run and rush the passer. Then you have who's Rudolph throwing to? Well, He's got a little bit of a connection with Pickens, but he's come to Deontay Johnson a bunch as well. And Allen Robinson's the third guy there, even though he's not really doing anything. Fryer with the tight end. And it is a 
very good Bills secondary when they are all healthy. Rasul Douglas has been an excellent trade piece that they got from the Packers. Johnson, Benford, the other corners. Uh, Jackson as well. Poyer, Hyde, Rapp, the three safeties. That's going to be a really interesting matchup. The Bills' off uh, defense can just continue to get off the field. Uh, I think that could be the blowout game. But if the Steelers can just hang around, hang around, hang around, they've won those types of games all season. Now, when the Bills have the ball, and really since Joe Brady's taken over, it's been the Josh Allen show with the side of the run game. In the sense of they want to run the football, they're going to run it with Cook for sure, but they're also going to run it with Josh and... If they're not running it, it's going to be a play where Josh is going to, hey, make a play. That's really what their offense has been. So, uh, yes, Cook and Murray are the backs, but Allen in the run game is a huge factor, especially with Brady. Um, it seems like if they get inside the 15 quarterback draw, quarterback power, like figure it out until we get to a shove play situation, it just seems like that's the way uh, Brady's been calling the red zone uh, possessions for the Bills. O-line, I mean, it's, it's a sensational line. McGovern's flipped his uh, fit in. Torrance, they hit on. And then the tackles, Dawkins and Brown have been good. Morse has been a very good center, so it's a strong offensive line going up uh, against the Steeler front. And Hayward, Highsmith is the other edge guy um, for that Steeler front. And then Diggs, Davis, is Gabe Davis ready to go? Uh, Shakir in the slot. Shearfield got a touchdown against his former team last week. Is that just a shot against your former team kind of a thing, or is he going to be sticking around in the offense? And then they got the two tight ends in Kincaid and Knox that Kincaid's had a nice rookie year. When Knox is in, he can run routes, he can block, and Allen has relied on him on a lot of big red zone possessions as well. And it is not a slouch of a Steelers secondary at all. I know Peterson has made the move from corner to safety, so it's looked at some points really, really good when he's had those instincts and made those right plays as a, as a uh, new safety or some other plays where you're like, oh, my God, this is not going to work out. He's got to figure out something else. But he's been in the back end. Wallace and the rookie Joey Porter Jr. has had a really nice year. I know they've kind of eased him in and people wanted him to play. Um, again, I mentioned this earlier. It's tough to be a rookie corner. It's tough to be a rookie corner. Um but he's done a really good job. Go to the numbers here. The Bills have the number one offense on third down, 50% completion uh, conversion percentage, sorry. Tenth in the league on fourth down against a Pittsburgh defense that's 21st in the league on third down and sixth on fourth. Pittsburgh offense not great on uh, third down offensively, 22nd in the league, 23rd on fourth down against a Buffalo defense that doesn't, do a great job of getting off the field, both 19th on third down and 19th on fourth down across the league of 32. Red zone, Buffalo 6 in the league, 63% touchdown percentage versus a Pittsburgh number 5 overall touchdown against defense, 46%. And that's a big matchup. Can the Steelers get them to kick bass field goals and not get touchdowns? Can they stop Allen on those quarterback keeper plays inside the red zone that I just talked about? Pittsburgh, when they have the ball offensively in the red zone, 27th in the league against the Bills' 17th-ranked defense. Turnover margin, Buffalo 12th, plus 2, 28 giveaways, 30 takeaways. Allen gives the ball away. He throws picks. He fumbles. The Steelers are going to have to take the ball away, and they're fourth in turnover margin, plus 11, 16 giveaways, 27 takeaways. Yes, they've had 
some picks, but they've done a great job of sack fumbles, getting interceptions, making plays on the football. So that's where the Steelers are going to have to win this game, getting turnovers. You'll get the special teams. Bass and Martin, the kicker-punter combo for Buffalo, solid. And then the last of the killer bees, as they say, Boswell, the kicker for Pittsburgh, Harvin, the punter. So I think Pittsburgh, if they win the turnover margin by at least two, that's their key to this game. If they can win the turnover margin, if they can stay in a low-scoring game, that's their path to win. The only thing I'm afraid of if you're a Steeler fan is if the Bills get scoring, you can't score with them. So Bills are going to want an up-and-down game in the snow. They don't really care if they give up points because they understand as an offense, like they have to score points if they're going to win games. Like that's just kind of their mindset is what it is. I'm very interested to see what the pace of this game is because I think Buffalo can win it at Pittsburgh's pace, but Pittsburgh can't win it at Buffalo's pace. So does Buffalo welcome the slowdown pace? If they say, hey, we can win this game, it's fine. Or does that keep Pittsburgh around? Um, I'm going to lean Buffalo. Uh, 27 to 13. I think it's convincing. I think Buffalo is getting hot, and I liked Kenny Pickett. I understand Rudolph's won them some games, but I don't know. I would have went back to Pickett when he was healthy, but hey, I'm wrong, so I give Tomlin credit, but I'm going to go Buffalo in that game. All right, Green Bay, Dallas. I mean, not, I, I got... Not a ton to say here because Aaron Rodgers used to ruin my playoff dreams every time the Cowboys were about to go on a run. The Packers always ended it. Um, whether that be a Romo or even a Dak rookie year. So you get really good games in this series. You get games with high stakes. You get two fan bases that absolutely do not want to lose to the other one. And it's a great all-time rivalry. It really is. So let's start with Green Bay has the ball. And Love's had a really good season. Second in the league in, in touchdown pass only to Dak Prescott. Aaron Jones has woken up the last few games over 100 rushing yards. Dylan has had an okay season in Jones' absence where it's a really one-two punch. It's been really heavily Dylan, and that's unfair because it's not really what he's trying to do. That is going up against the backers and Clark and Bell. And then up front, if Hankins is healthy for... Uh, his nose position, Ozigizua, uh, Gallimore, even Mozzie Smith will be inside. O-line did not allow a ton of sacks for Green Bay. Love does a good job of either getting out of the pocket if it's breaking down or getting rid of the ball. But the Cowboy pass rush, along with turnovers, of course, is part of that defense. Parsons, Lawrence, Armstrong, Williams, Fowler. Uh, a lot of those guys make plays at the quarterback and, and get them to the ground. So it's a young um, skill group at receiver and even tight end for the Packers and it's a veteran really besides Bland I know he's young but he's had a really big impact in his early career a veteran led secondary in the Cowboys and I think that might prove to be the difference very Veteran-led defense, seen a lot against the offense in the Packers that it's a lot of their guys' first go at this. So I think on that side of the ball, if the Cowboys can get a turnover or two or 
you know, force some punts early in the game, and their offense can come out against the Packer defense, which we'll get to in a second, and they can score some points. Packers are going to have to get desperate and play a game that they didn't want to play, right? Uh, so you go to the Cowboy offense, Dak Prescott, an outstanding season. Uh, MVP caliber season. I want to see what the votes end up like because he should be in the consideration considering the numbers. And if you vote Tyree Kill, you should have voted CeeDee Lamb. So I really wonder what the MVP votes are going to look like this year because Dak and CeeDee Lamb are both candidates when you look at the, the numbers and the, the what they've done for the team. Run game for the Cowboys, Pollard and Dowdle. And again, similar to Mahomes, Dak runs in big spots in big games. He kind of saves them. So I could see that his legs becoming more of a factor in this game if they give that to him, right? Uh, I'll tell you this. I think Walker, for the Packers' defense, I I think he's going to be an outstanding football player uh, for that defense in the years to come. And I'm interested in watching him against this Cowboy offense. Uh, Campbell, another good linebacker. And then I would say for the Cowboys' offensive line, when they're healthy and they're lockstep, they're good. You know, Terrence Steele has had a couple bad games, and you could point at the losses and be like, Terrence Steele blew the game. Like, it's a team game, sure. You have some great games against good teams. You know, but when Warren's healthy next to him and Biash is doing all right at center and the Smith boys at the left side, like, they're short up, like, it's a very good offensive line. I know they haven't had a great year run blocking, but they've done a solid good, solid job pass protecting. Um, and it's a good Green Bay front. Gary's had a good year. Preston Smith's had a good year. Ken Clark's uh, a menace. Why it's been good. But this offensive um, arsenal for the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb has had an all-time season. He's been tremendous. Uh, an outstanding, outstanding receiver. Brandon Cooks didn't have a great start to his Cowboy career, but at the end of the season, look at him having eight touchdowns and, and contributing. Now, Michael Gallup's the guy that has had to sacrifice a lot, whether that be targets, whether that obviously be receptions with those targets, and even snaps. Um, but when the ball comes to him, he's made some plays. And Ferguson, for me, as a tight end, is an absolute weapon. Now, you can see why they let... Uh, Schultz walked to Houston, even though Schultz was really a weapon in his own right, and it's not a great season, a good season for Houston. Don't get me wrong, but Ferguson's been an animal. Now, Jair Alexander is he going to follow Ceedee Lamb around the field? I wonder about that uh, because if he's going against Valentine or other corners, we'll see if Dak just says, "All right, I won't throw it whoever Alexander's covering. I'll just throw it the other guys." You know, Savage and Owens are, are, are good. Savage is a really good safety. Um, all right, the numbers. Green Bay offense on third down, fifth in the league, 47%, 17th on fourth down. Cowboy defense, 14th in the league, getting off the field, 18th on fourth down. So the, the Cowboy defense doesn't do the best job of getting off the field on third down, but they do a great job of turning you over and getting you kick field goals. Um, maybe not in the red zone, but outside the red zone. Cowboy offense in the red zone. Or third down, sorry. Number two, 48%. Number nine on fourth down. Green Bay defense, 25th overall, 41%. Ninth on fourth down. So Cowboys right there. Have an exploit. Get to third down. Get to third and manageable and keep drives alive because Green Bay is not good at getting off the field. 
Green Bay offense in the red zone, 19th against the Cowboy defense. That's 20th, both around 50%-ish there. Cowboys, 14th offensively. Packers, 9th uh, defensively. So that's an interesting matchup. Cowboys, plus 10, good enough for 6th overall. 16 takeaways, 26. Or sorry, 16 giveaways, 26 takeaways. Packers, 17th in the league, and even 0. 18 giveaways, 18 takeaways. Carlson and Whelan, the specialists for the Packers. Carlson has not had a great season. Missed a lot of extra points, missed a lot of kicks. Now, the Cowboys, Aubrey just started missing kicks recently, and it's been a block and another kick where I think he should have made it, but fine. Um, but he's been excellent, and anger has been a really good weapon for the Cowboys. Now, the pick in this game, I am, you call me a homer, fine. This Cowboy team is better than the Packers. And I know with McCarthy going up against his former team, that's a, certainly a storyline um, with this matchup and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think the Cowboys, this time around, you could look and say, are the better team. Were they the better team going to Green Bay? Probably not. Were they the better team when they welcomed them in a couple of years ago? Probably not. This year, they're the better team. This time around, they're the better team. They're at home. They've been really good at home. If they lose, they have nobody to blame them themselves. And um, sure, with that said, the Packers can play a free game. But if they're down early, that's going to change. So Cowboys have to start fast. And they've done a really good job of starting fast. And I'm going to go Cowboys 31-21. Rams, Lions, Sunday night. All the storylines will start with Stafford going home and the Rams offense. Kyler Williams has done an excellent job running the football. You got Anzalone and Campbell, the linebackers for that Detroit team. And an O-line that's really really only worried about Hutchinson. Yes, there are some other guys that rush the passer for the Lions, but Hutchinson is the guy that you got to block. He can wreck the game. If you can contain him, you have a chance to throw the football against the Lions. And when you can throw the football against the Lions... It's a bad secondary. They've had some injuries with uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which is unfortunate. They lost him early in the season, one of their big signings. Sutton and Jacobs are not great corners. And you got Cup, Nakua, Atwell, and Robinson. Atwell's the, the burner. Robinson has come along in the red zone recently with some big touchdown grabs, but Nakua sets the rookie record. Cup is just an outstanding, outstanding, outstanding receiver in all facets of the position. And you got Stafford going back to Detroit with, I don't want to say something to prove or anything like that, but he's going to know everybody wants to beat him because, yeah, they were rooting for him in the Super Bowl, but now here they are. They're in, they're they're only a few games away from a Super Bowl when you look at it like that. So that's the story when the Rams have the ball. How about when Goff and the Detroit Lions have the ball? Goff, we know what he's so good at. Off play action, on time, making the progressions. He throws a very good deep ball. He throws a good ball into the second level over zone coverage of those first level of the backers. He's very good. He's very accurate when he's on time. Now, when he's off the spot or when he's rushed, it's not great. So if he can stay on time, they can certainly put up some points. Now, Montgomery and Gibbs are going to have to have big games. Now, Jones, the backer for the Rams, has had a really good season. Top tackler, if I'm not mistaken, on that Rams defense. And it's an O-line for the Lions that's done a good job run blocking and doesn't give up a ton of sacks. So... Donald, Young, Turner, the youngster. We know Donald is going to make plays. He just makes plays in every game. It's just it's inevitable that he's going to make a play. But can the other guys make some plays? Can Donald make a multitude of plays against a good offensive line for the Lions? Now, if they do get that running game going, if they do get play action going, you got Jamison Williams on the deep ball, you got St. Brown 
on all those other kind of stop routes and creative routes and option routes. Raymond, Reynolds, they're status with some injuries. And then the big injury question for this Lions team, especially off Laporta, the rookie tight end, he's come in. He's just replaced Hawkinson after they traded him. They haven't missed a beat. Goff had almost instant chemistry with Laporta. And that injury concern is looming because that's an important piece of that line offense. Now, going up against a secondary that features Witherspoon at corner, who's had a really good season. Kendrick, the other corner, Fuller and Johnson on the back end. Third down, numbers. When the Rams have the ball on third down, they are eighth in the league at converting fourth in the league on fourth down. Detroit defense, 12th in the league, getting off the field, 27th on fourth down. So not great on fourth down. When Detroit has the ball, they're 11th in the league at converting 15th on fourth down. Rams, 18th in the league, 22nd on fourth down. Red zone, here's good versus bad. Rams, fourth in the league. Lions, 29th. So if the Lions can flip the script on the red zone if the Rams get down there and hold them to field goals. Look for that to be a big factor in this football game. And again, it's not as dramatic as good versus bad, but it's good versus average when the Lions have the ball. Third in offense of touchdown percentage in the red zone against 15th in defense. Turnovers, Rams 21st in the league, minus 3, 18 giveaways, 15 takeaways. Detroit Lions, Zero turnover margin. 23 giveaways, 23 takeaways, 16th in the league. The specialist, Maher is the latest kicker for the Rams. Evans, the punter. Bagley, uh, the kicker for the Lions. After they had some issues with Patterson and Fox is the punter. This one, prediction-wise, I think I've gone with every home team, right? I think I'm going to pick the road team here. I think the Rams have the experience. The Lions don't have it yet. It's a great season for the Lions. They won their division. They get this home playoff game, but getting a home playoff game and winning a home playoff game against a team that has a core that's won a Super Bowl, those are two different you know, things. And if the Lions do accomplish the second one after they've accomplished the first one, you give them all the credit in the world. I just think this Ram team with Stafford, they'll be cool, calm, collect, They've done it before with McVay. I think Campbell and the Lions will just be a little too, a little too intense, a little too much, a little too much. So um, let's go Rams. 34-27. And then Monday night, Philly and Tampa. These teams played in week three a long time ago. Eagles won down there 25-11. We should have good weather relatively on Monday night. Let's start with the Eagles having the ball on offense. Jalen Hurts, what is his status with the finger? It's on his throwing hand. Will he be able to throw the deep ball the way he can, even though it's been picked off a bunch this season? Like, So Hurts' status throwing the ball. We know how important Hurts is in the running game, not only with the shove play, but they do on other third downs have some quarterback draws and quarterback powers to – keep drives going and stuff like that. So Hurts in the run game along with Swift and Gamewell, of course, against a good run defense, you know, featuring those backers, David and White. You got uh, an all-star O-line for the Eagles. We know all the play, Kelsey, Johnson. We get it, right? We know the the great offensive line the Eagles has and hasn't been protecting them late, but it's going against Vita Vea and committee 
it's not the same uh, edge guys and other interior guys as it was during that playoff run, but Vita Vega still there, those Super Bowl runs. And then A.J. Brown's status, Devonta Smith's status. How about Goddard? He should be ready to go, but these guys all are banged up for this Eagle team. Hurts, Brown, Smith, Goddard. Uh, Julio Jones is the third receiver. Watkins gets some uh, targets as well, going up against Dean, Davis, Winfield, and Neal in that Tampa back end. If the Eagles are healthy-ish, they can win this game. They can rally. They can win this game. They can pull it together. They can do all that thing. But offensively, they have so many guys are hurt, they have to overcome that. Can they do it? Now, when Tampa has the ball, listen, Baker Mayfield, a guy you know I love. Uh, going back to M&A with Moose and, and all the even, I think, in, uh, no, he wasn't he wasn't in uh, college. But for RNA back in the day. But uh, shout out to WRCM. Man, Kadri. Um, Bake has been very good. Now, I know he's had some up-and-down games and up-and-down moments, but to just think about his career path, everybody thinks the Browns overreach for him. He plays in the game. He takes over. Then they're done with him. He gets a million coaches. He moves on. He gets uh, the Rams their win. Now he's in Tampa. They win the division. It's an outstanding story. So what Baker Mayfield did we get in this game? Uh, White running the ball. Morrow and Cunningham, the linebackers for Philly. An O-line that is good when it's uh, upright and healthy for the Bucks against Cox, Graham, Davis, Sweat, Reddick. So many players on that Eagle defense that got to wake up and play good. And you got Evans and Godwin against Slay and Bradbury. Uh, Maddox is the nickel. Blankenship and Bard are the safeties for that Eagle defense. All right, third down. Eagles. Third in the league, first on fourth down. It's the shove play. We all know why they're so efficient on those downs. Tampa defense, 23rd and 14th, respectively, on third down and fourth down. Tampa offense, 10th in the league on third down, second on fourth against an Eagle team that's 31st in the league, third down and 25th on fourth. Red zone, good versus good, bad versus bad. Eagles, ninth in the red zone. Tampa's third defensively, and then Tampa, 30th offensively the Eagles 30th offensively uh red zone turnover margin Eagles 27th in the league minus 10 28 giveaways only 18 takeaways this is a team that has not done a good job sacking quarterbacks not done a good job taking away the ball and not really done a good job of getting off the field on third down or in the red zone so it's a defense that has a ton of players that has not performed uh Bucks ninth Turnover margin, plus 8. 18 giveaways, 26 takeaways. Special teams, Elliott and Mann for the Eagles. McLaughlin and Camarada for the Bucks. I really, really want to pick the Bucks here, but I just somehow the Eagles win a sloppy game. They find a way to win a game like they won early in the season. I think they get bounced next round, but I don't think their season ends in Tampa, even though they've been playing really good ball. It, that's really predictable. I think it's you don't get that. So we'll go Eagles. Um, Eagles 24-14. All right, more coaches hired, fired. Rabel fired by the Titans. I was shocked by that. I understand the last two years haven't gone your way, but have you had stability at the quarterback position? Have you had your best players healthy? I don't think that's fair to fire a winning coach when those guys are, when your players are healthy, and then when they're not healthy and your things aren't going your way, you're like, all right, see you, man. Like, 
And to hear that you're going to keep a GM over a coach, like, there's a lot of GMs. There's not a lot of good coaches in this league. I'm just going to be honest with you. And Rabel's one of them. Now, Carroll and Seattle have said that he's going to not be the coach anymore, but he's going to stay in the organization. So we have another job opening up. So Carolina, Vegas, the LA Chargers, Atlanta, Washington, Tennessee, and Seattle, the seven openings so far. And, and really, it should be it, you would think, right? Um, but those are the openings for the NFL. All right, college football quickly. Nick Saban retires. Seven national championships, six with Alabama, one with LSU. You look at his record at these schools. Started 9-2 at Toledo. Then he went to work with Belichick in Cleveland. Got the job at Michigan State, 34-24-1. Went to LSU, 48-16 and with that national championships. He goes to the Dolphins. Doesn't really work out. He goes to Bama. Guess what? 2-0-1-29 at Alabama. 12 conference titles. He never had a losing season as a head coach. Bama has won at least 10 games in 16 straight seasons under Saban, the longest streak by any program in the AP poll era since 1936. This is despite playing 107 games against AP-ranked teams during Saban's era, 14 more than any other program. Some more stats here. Saban's seven BCS-slash-college-football playoff national championship wins since 98, are double more than the amount of any other head coach. Urban Meyer has three. Kirby Smart and Dabo each have two. You would need to add them all up to equal savings. Crimson Tide have reached the college football playoff in eight of the ten seasons in this playoff era. How about this one? 17 seasons at Bama. He won six natties. He lost five games by 14 points plus. 49 players drafted in the first round, including 44 at Alabama, more than any other coach in the common draft era. And how about this one, folks? Remember how he said he had 29 losses at Bama? Well, 44 first-round draft picks, 29 losses. That's crazy. That's crazy. One of the greats, one of my favorite coaches ever. Uh, the press conference, all right, all right. You know, like all that, like I love Saban. I learned so much about football from just listening to him talk about positions and defenses and, you know, the process. It's something I admire. Like I, I, I'm sad to see him not be able to go out on top, but for him to be able to like go out when he wants to, like that's cool. So um, congratulations on a great career to coach Saban. Miss Terry is probably happy that she doesn't have to go to any more games. <laughs> Just kidding. I know Miss Terry loved it. Um, but shout out to the Sabins. A great, great football family. And uh, wish them the best. All right, let's go to soccer. Midweek soccer recap. Carabao Cup semifinals first legs. Middlesbrough, Chelsea. Middlesbrough won Chelsea nil. A hackney goal was the difference in this first leg in Middlesbrough. So they'll go back to Stanford Bridge. Chelsea will have to turn around and one nil the uh, first leg defeat, which they can certainly do. Cole Palmer with a big miss. They had a couple other big misses. And then the other semifinal, Liverpool, Fulham at Anfield. Liverpool 2-1. It's a familiar scoreline that's happened this season. Liverpool concede first. It's Willian uh, opening the scoring. Curtis Jones, a deflected effort, goes in. And then Cody Gakpo's uh, goal gave Liverpool the first leg 2-1 victory before they head to Craven Cottage for the second leg. Uh, transfer news. Well, loans, I guess. Timo Werner is loaned to Tottenham, which I didn't think Tottenham 
has to get more attackers. I, I felt like they could have used a defender. Um, maybe a lot of teams aren't loaning center backs anymore, but whatever. Um, but they get a another winger, another striker, another offensive player to come in. And Sancho is going back to Dortmund. Um, he's tired of training with the Man U kids. And he's not going to apologize to Tenog. Tenog's not going to apologize to him, so he's going back to Dortmund to play. So there you go with Sancho. All right, EPL uh, weekend soccer preview. Not all the teams are playing uh, because of this half-and-half half break with some uh, some clubs still playing, you know, FA Cup replays and Carabao Cup semifinals and all that kind of stuff. So Burnley and Luton, you got Chelsea, Fulham, uh, London Derby. You got Newcastle, Man City, which is a big game. Everton and Villa. And then Manchester United and Tottenham, which is an absolute cooking if one team loses. Syria, Monza, Inter, Lazio, Lecce, Milan play Roman, a big one. Mourinho suspended again. Atalanta and Frazioni. Bundesliga is back. Munich, Hoffenheim, Augsburg, Leverkusen. And then you got Rebel Leipzig, Frankfurt, Ligue Len, and PSG. And you got some college basketball. We had Nebraska upset Purdue. Iowa State upsets Houston. Texas beats Cincinnati and Cincy. Uh, Baylor comes from behind at home against BYU. You got Mississippi State trying to hold on at home as I'm recording this right now. Uh, games this weekend, Tennessee-Georgia, big game with Georgia uh, coming back as a good program. Northwestern-Wisconsin, Northwestern's been winning some games. Oklahoma and Kansas is a gigantic game in the Big 12. Houston-TCU, Cincy, I'm telling you, Big 12, guys, every night it's the Big 12. Big 12 is a war. And I know the SEC has been a good conference, and the ACC is not as great as it used to be, and I love the Big East, but... This Big 12, guys. And then when they get some more teams next year, this is going to be – it might be the best basketball conference. It might truly be. Like, and I, I got – you know, obviously I got my love for the Big East, uh, you know, being an East Coast kid. But the Big 12, you got to watch these games. They're outstanding. All right. So uh, we will recap it all. Super wild card weekend on – Tuesday's show, we'll have a weekend soccer recap. Any more fallout of college basketball or college football or uh, maybe some more coaching, maybe Harbaugh leaves, who the hell knows, but we'll we'll touch on coaches stuff. But uh, I'm sure the coaching things we're going to talk about more is the NFL coaches being full. But anyway, Super Wildcard Weekend, we'll recap it all. Enjoy it. Enjoy the football, folks. It's only so much left, so start to soak it all in. All right, have a great weekend. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.